Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast in another episode of Letterboxd Recap. We go over the movies we've been watching this past week, as well as rating the Letterboxd Top 4 of 5 fans. James, how was your movie-watching journey this past week? I only got four in, but that's because I've also been watching some TV, and I haven't watched a TV show. So he's show. coming up with the excuse already. I am. Yes, I am. But, I, I mean, I only have so many hours, so I've started watching <laughs> The Bear out of many recommendations for us to finally watch and do yes. an episode on. So I, it's the first time I've watched TV since, like, Stranger Things, I think. The new season. Oh, Succession. Okay. But, like, I mean, like, binge the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, bi- like, uh, in, like, uh, like a long chunks. Yeah, yeah. Because Succession, we were watching live. But, I mean, like, week, sit yeah. down. I watched four episodes straight the other day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I don't know, halfway through season one, I guess. And I really like it. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But, yeah, four movies in the bear. So I got some TV in, and I'm actually excited to talk about that show. We're going to do an episode on it in, yeah. a, in a few weeks. We're and, just going to watch all the episodes. Yeah, and I can't wait to review our screenshot of Letterboxd for recents from our fans. So if you haven't sent in your Letterboxd for favorites, all you got to do is screenshot your Letterboxd, DM it to us on Instagram. We'll add to the list of, like, over 120 that we will be getting to. We do five a week. So... If you want to, it's fun. If you I want to hear it. your your letterbox read out. That's all you got to do. Yeah, just screenshot and DM it to us on Insta. How was your your movie watching week? Seventeen movies probably. Only ten. Only ten again. <laughs> <laughs> Only ten. Only ten. So cash. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I do, man. That's what you. That's what, what I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who we got up for our first rating? Our first letterbox top four is from our fan Owen Leplavi. Owen. Nolan and Villanov fanboy says his bio. Same. From Wisconsin. Same. You can follow him on Twitter, Leplavio. All right. The top four is the namesake of our show. Raiders of Lost Park. Raiders of Lost Park. Raiders of Lost Park. What's our show called? I almost said it was. Raiders of Lost Park. I, I almost called the movie Raiders of the Lost Park. Raiders of the Lost Park. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that is correct. Yeah. Hell yeah. Then we got Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece. High and Low. Best kidnapping movie ever. It is incredible. If you have not seen High and Low, I highly recommend checking it out. You can watch it on Max right now. It actually, if I remember correctly, is in the Letterbox Top 10 of narrative films. I think it is, yeah. Next up, The Social Network, with a great poster of Garfield t- writing on the glass of the window with like this blue color palette with Jesse Eisenberg watching from behind. I love that poster. The equation. And then... Yes, the equation, algorithm. The I mean. algorithm. He wrote, uh, "James is a loser." <laughs> yeah, Andrew was here. <laughs> Remember, we would just write that. Anthony G- was here. G- Jim was here. Steve <laughs> was here. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Well, I don't know. As kids, we we always write that shit. And then one of my personal favorites, Lawrence of Arabia, with a beautiful red poster on Letterboxd. I love that poster. That's great picks. Hell yeah! What a top. And next up, we got our boy, Dawson. Dawson in the house. Dawson's top four is fire. First, we got Return of the Jedi. Of course. Excellent poster. Of course. Then, Dawson, you might like uh, an upcoming episode of ours. Oh, yeah. Then we got Spider-Man 2. The best Spider-Man. It is the best Spider-Man. Thank you, Dawson. I don't think that any Spider-Man movie has gone that hard before. That, it's, I it's mean, so Spider-Man good. movies go pretty hard, but like... It's so good. It's the best. It really is. It I still mean, holds up. Yeah. It's excellent. It's an, it's incredible. It's an all-timer. All-timer. Then we got 
Grand Budapest Hotel. Wes's best movie. I think I think this is Dawson's favorite movie. If why, I remember. Didn't he, why didn't he put it number one? Well, maybe he liked the banner on Return of the Jedi. That's a good point. Because it's probably like a sick banner. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Luke and Vader when he's like about to introduce him to the Empire, the Emperor, for coffee, <laughs> <laughs> coffee and biscuits, <laughs> family reunion. Do it. <laughs> then we got at number four, Marriage Story. Noah Baumbach's great film. What a pick. I love that. I love Marriage Story. I think it's an excellent screenplay. I think it was one of the best screenplays that year. And the acting. Oh, my God. It's just so good. That movie's so good that it's hard to watch a second and third time. I've seen it twice, and it just devastates you, man. It's so relatable. I hate you. I can't I believe wish you were dead. I have to spend the rest of my life knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great top four, Dawson. You're Excellent. the man. Next up, we got Braden McCulloch. Braden. Long-time listener. His bio says, you're some money, and you don't even know it, baby. <laughs> Swingers. Swingers. We got Return of the King. Hell yeah. With a great poster of... It's Sam and Frodo on like a hilltop at, in uh, Mordor. Nice. Looking at Mount Doom. Nice. Looks great. I want that poster. Oh, my God. Then we got the Prestige. My guy. Are you watching closely? With another amazing poster of the light bulbs on the ground that when Andy Serkis shows them to Hugh Jackman. One of my favorite images Nolan's ever gotten in any of his movies is that sequence, that scene. I'm going to take that poster on Letterboxd after that. Then we got another back-to-back. Wait, no. not So it is a Star Wars film, but it's Empire Strikes Back. The best one. Yeah, I think it's the best Star Wars movie. Sorry, Dawson. It's a great poster of Luke and Vader, silhouette, about to fight. And then in the background, we get the Cloud City as its background. That's really cool. Instead of the smoke. Yeah. It's, the smoke turns into clouds, and then you see the Cloud City structure. That's really cool. I want that poster, Braden, too. Braden picks good posters. Then we got Everything Everywhere all at once. And then Braden picked the two rocks with googly eyes talking <laughs> on the edge of the cliffside. <laughs> great picks. And uh, he cut off his top, his recent activity, but I think that's Old Boy that he watched recently. It looks like the top of the Old Boy poster. And then maybe The Lighthouse, I think. Hell yeah. I love that. And then it looks like, I don't know, Interstellar with the, with the, or it could be, inter- yeah, it could be Interstellar with the white mountains. And then we got Spider-Man either Into the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse. I, I think it's Into the you Spider-Verse. You can't tell. I can't. The, the Spider-Man logo is the same. It's all it says is Spider-Man, see? Oh, yeah. I think it's in the That's a cross. Hold on, let me put my glasses on, show it again. They both have that the same logo, but then it just doesn't say which one it is. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think that's uh, I think that's in two. I think it's in two. Brayden, you're so money, too. You don't even know it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got Jay Joyce. Jay's top four. Banshee's even Sharon. Hell, yeah. I love the poster, too. It's this really beautiful, like matte painting kind of poster of the bar of the the house on fire on the coast. What a freaking great pick. Freaking awesome. Then we got Macbeth, the adaptation with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. Who directed that again? I can't remember his name. I think he's... I always forget his name. I'll look it up. It's a a name I can never pronounce. Because that movie's excellent. Yeah. What's his name? But it's a great visually stunning film. Really cool adaptation. Justin Kurtzel. Kurtzel. That's it. 
Then we got, actually kind of in the same vein, The Northman. My Ro- guy, what a pick. Robert Eggers directed his ass off in this film, I think. I he love really The did. Northman. I love it. Yeah, I, f- I wish that made more money, man. It's so, so good. It's a great poster, too. Man, what a fucking awesome movie that was. Yeah, I love it. Epic. Then we got, prepare yourself, Jim. Dude. Dude, let's go. How you doing? How you doing, Jay? <laughs> I'm, I'm great, Jay. <laughs> and then uh, recent activity is Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory, Django and Django, which is the uh, documentary about um, the Django Western series, and then also Django and Change, which interviews with Quentin Tarantino. Um, Dumb and Dumber-er, the prequel, When Harry Met Lloyd. And then Portrait of God. I haven't seen that movie. I haven't seen that either. Jay, thanks for submitting. Appreciate it, pal. And then our final letterbox rating of the day is Owen Rose. Another Owen. What's up, Owen? Owen's got La La Land. Love it. Punch Drunk Love. I'm seeing a trend of love. Love. Romance. I love Punch Drunk Love. Me too. It's really good. Then Dazed and Confused. (laughs) Ha. All-time classic. And then, one of the best superhero movies of all time, The Incredibles. That is, I mean, that's a valid statement. It's valid. That's as fuck. valid. It's yeah, valid. That's, people never bring it up anymore. Why is it they never bring it up? I know The Incredibles <laughs> is epic. The Incredibles is incredible. 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 See, see what I did there? I saw you did. This, the title. Use the title, to but describe I also use it film. to describe it. Yeah, man, you're, you're a really clever guy. You know what I am? Incredible. <laughs> No, no comment. <laughs> Recent activity for Owen is Across the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. Cronenberg's The Fly, <laughs> Nice X. It's still the year of Ty West for Owen. It's always the year of Ty West. <laughs> always. <laughs> and then Goodfellas. Hell yes. Five-star rating for Goodfellas. Of course. Of course, five stars. Great job, Owen. We love this. Everybody, thank you for sending those in. We're going to read five more next week. And again, if you want us to read your letterbox top four on the podcast, just screenshot it and DM it to us on Instagram. Now, Anthony, how was your week of watching movies? I'm assuming 76 movies watched in three days or something like only that. 10. Only 10. Only 10. Only 10. I only had four again, but watched a lot of TV. So how about we'll just... He watched, he watched three episodes of TV. Four episodes <laughs> of TV. All right. They're like 45 four. minutes a pop. Whoa. 45 minutes. No, they're like 30. 30 mi- you watched four 30 minute episodes of TV. Yeah. Wow, that's literally one of, of it's like bear. one movie. And I also watched this other show for an episode on HBO. What's called, the other show? Called How To with, uh, what's his name, John Singleton. It's actually- Oh, the of, director? Uh, he's a comedian. A comedian. Is he, it's, it's kind of genius. What's he do? He basically, he lives in New York City. The interview guy. Yeah, not, the, not I mean, the filming guy. Yeah, so yeah. He, he just takes a camera. It's the similar vein and style of humor in terms of like, of like Nathan Fielder kind of. Yeah. It's like very dry. So he takes a camera and he walks around New York City, films everything he sees, all kinds of weird shit in New York City if you've never been. Like, yeah, you know the the main stuff that you see in movies and TV, but like he gets like the real New York City and he kind of just like narrates the hell out of it in this very fun and interesting and sarcastic way. And it's very witty, very Neurotic, funny. yeah. It's yeah, it's it's hysterical. I watched the trailer the other day because it was on their banner, and I was like, "This looks interesting." Yeah, so I watched the, the trailer. Cracked me up. Was it good? It's it's really good. Yeah, it's very, if you like Nathan Fielder's sense of humor, then you'll like this. It's, it's it's like that kind of, 
I guess it's tone, mm-hmm. but um, it's a, it's kind of genius. It really is. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, maybe I'll watch it now because I like the trailer. Like he it just goes cool. around and like one the one episode I watched, he's like trying to be good at small talk. He's like he's it's like he's making documentaries for aliens about humans. <laughs> so he's like each episode he's trying to teach people about something he's like how to do small talk, and he's like trying to talk to people in New York, but like. Everyone in New York's rude as fucking weird, and <laughs> so it's like hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Then he goes on a trip to Cancun, and it was MTV uh, had their big like summer thing there. It's just really hysterical. That's funny. Yeah, I remember. I, I'm gonna watch it now. Okay, well, let me start it off. I watched this old French film, Le True. It means the hole, and I wrote. I gave it five stars, and I wrote one of the most suspenseful films I've ever seen. This is up there. With all-time prison movies, I discovered the film because of the Letterbox Top 100. It's at number 34. So I was like, oh, I don't even know what this movie is. Let me watch it. And it fucking was amazing. It's about uh, this. It's about a French prison. And one prisoner is transferred to the cell of four other inmates uh, because his current cell is under construction. And he discovers that those four men were have been planning an escape. And they've been working out a plan to escape the prison. So they're like unsure about telling him at first, but then they're like, wait, let, let's tell him. So they bring him in on the plot. And the plan is um, they, they dig tunnels underneath the prison through concrete, through stone, through earth, through the sewers. And my God, it's so good. It's incredible. And it's so damn suspenseful. There's a couple of shots that like made my mouth drop open. I was like, oh my God. It was, it was just really fantastic. I highly recommend like true. I watched it on Criterion Channel. I believe it's also on Max, though. Nice. It sounds awesome. I love prison movies. Man, I I was shocked. It was. It's literally. I think it's like right under Shawshank Redemption for best prison movies. Better than Alcatraz. I, it's better than Escape to Alcatraz. Escape from Alcatraz. Wow, it's I better. fucking love Escape from Alcatraz. Dude, watch this movie. You're gonna be shocked. Honestly. All right. Well, I'll watch it eventually this year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I watched AI, Artificial Intelligence. I've, I haven't watched that much sci-fi lately, and I've just been on a craving for sci-fi. So I watched that, gave it four stars. It's really brilliant, but also it is on the weaker side of Spielberg's filmography. It's but an, yeah, even though it is still yeah, brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's beautifully filmed, yeah. but it is an odd tone, and it isn't as easy, to, it's not as accessible as other films. But it's still damn really, it's really interesting. Great concepts, great visual effects, great production, excellent cast. Jude Law, uh, Haley Joel Brendan Gleeson's really fun. Uh, a bunch of great other actors. But, I mean, the cinematography by Giannis is outstanding. 
Um, but I will say it is on the lower end of his filmography. Yeah, I watched it like two months ago, and I really enjoyed it. But also, I, I, I agree. Like, it's not his top 15, no, probably, because no. he's made so many goddamn movies. But it's still an excellent film. It really is. So well made. Now, I'll get to my first movie of the week. And also, I changed my four favorites to space movies. Oh, let me see. So I did uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey at number one, Interstellar. Alien at number three, and then Moon. So those are my four favorite space movies I have oh. right now on my Letterboxd. And I got that 2001 banner with Hal in the background watching the conversation. That's like the best banner on Letterboxd. It's pretty sick. That's great. Now, my first watch of the week was actually before sunrise because <laughs> we did an episode on it, obviously, that posted yesterday. And I watched this the night before we filmed just to kind of refresh my memory on it because I watched it like a month and a half ago. And then, obviously, I watched Sunrise, Sunset and then Midnight for the episode. And then I had to just kind of refresh my memory on Before Sunrise because I wanted, you know, in my brain to in relate. My head, in my head. In my head obviously, again. Obviously, five stars for Before Sunrise. It's a brilliant film, masterpiece, one of my favorite romance films, if not my favorite. And the episode we did is awesome. I edited it myself, and I actually I watched the first 10 minutes of it just because I wanted to uh, yesterday morning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I just, could watch this whole episode it's so good so definitely go watch the episode of the before trilogy that we posted yesterday it's really good it's really fun and man i love that one these movies are so good it's one of my favorite graphics i've made too what was the uh, star rating on that five five stars (laughs) nice what what, what star rating (laughs) it's a rhetorical question anthony (laughs) all right next up i watched the equalizer three let's go i gave it four stars and i wrote one of the best action films of the year, Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua capped off their franchise with a fantastic and brutal film with about justice. Most are going to disagree with this rating, but this is the kind of personal action movie I grew up with and adore. There are no car chases or flashy and outrageous fight scenes, but the action is violent and it packs one hell of a punch. You really feel for the characters and grow to appreciate the sense of community and love that McCall has found in Southern Italy. Unlike most action films, This one addresses very resonant and emotional themes with its story, which pull you in and make you truly care for the individuals McCall is trying to protect. Denzel is excellent as always and throws in so much of his famous charm and charisma that is always welcome. It's not the biggest or most action-packed, but this action film feels raw and honest. Plus, you can never go wrong with setting a film in southern Italy. I love this film. It's getting, it got railed by critics. Everybody's complaining about it on Letterboxd, but I was like, you know what? This movie was great. I loved it. It was fun, and it was just badass. And it was also, I got uh, pr- pretty emotionally connected to the characters, and that's something that's, that's pretty rare for action movies nowadays. It's only got a 3.1 on Letterboxd, and it's got like a, but it does have a 7.1 on IMDb, and the audience score is 93% for Rotten Tomatoes. So Hell audiences yeah. loved it. And it made bank at the box office. Made a huge, in, in franchise best. So I really liked it, honestly. 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 And then what else? Then, and then I watched Brawl and Cell Block 99, which we watched for a Patreon bonus episode. I gave it three and a half stars. It was really cool. It was much better than I was expecting. I don't know why, but I thought the trailer just made it seem like it wasn't that good. And that's why I never watched it, even though it came out like five years ago. But I was pleasantly mistaken because this movie was actually really cool. Very graphic and violent. And an interesting story is much better than I was expecting. Still, it was kind of not, it was kind of lacking in, you know, high quality cinema. But 
I still give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, actually, I totally forgot that I watched that too. So uh, I have five movies that I five. You so did it. I gave it three and a half. Brawl and Cellbuck ninety nine. It's one that I've wanted to watch for a while, and I liked it. I like Vince Vaughn a lot, and it was cool to see him do something completely unique like this before. He's played like fucked up people before. Obviously, he's played Norman Bates in the remake of Psycho. But, you know, to do something completely out of your norm as an actor, I think, is exciting, whether it works or not. And I think it worked with him. I think he did great. I think he was terrific in this movie. And thanks and to Cole for uh, requesting the episode. Yeah, our patron, he's a Godfather Cole. patron, so we watched oh, the yeah. movie and did an episode just for him. If you become a Godfather patron, we'll do an episode on whatever the hell you want. So. Oh, yeah. And I'll get to my other watch that I was going to talk about next, which was continuing my out-of-order Harry Potter. <laughs> which one <laughs> did you watch this time? I watched Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Nice. And I gave it four and a half stars. And this one, obviously, is the first one that David Yates took over for the franchise. Gave the new look, new tone, and aesthetic for the franchise, which he's carried over to Fantastic Beasts trilogy. If we'll ever get another one. I I I doubt it. I think he's a really good director. And this one, you could tell he was sort of just figuring it out what to do aesthetically and story-wise with this franchise. And I think he did a really solid job, you know, taking the elements that everyone else did, that Coron did especially with the third film, and kind of going back to that style to an extent, but doing his own thing at the same time. Because I think that Goblet of Fire took a too far of a step away from what Coron created with the tone, but I think that it got back to that with David Yates and Order of the Phoenix. Do you that put makes this sense. over Goblet? I... I I think so. I think I do. Really? Possibly. I think Goblet's way better than this. I mean, Goblet's great. They're all great, but like yeah. having the the c- cemetery scene at the end is the best part of for the movie. For me, for me, Order, I mean, the Dumbledore Voldemort fight really keeps it from like fluttering. Yeah. I I think Goblet all around is much stronger film. The thing with Order is the book is so good. Yeah. It's such a good book. And then the movie's like pretty, it's a good movie. I mean, four and a half is. Honestly, I, honestly, I have Order. I think it's number seven for me. Yeah, I can see that. The tone is a little off sometimes. And Dolores Umbridge is such a hateful villain and character that she's so well written and acted that I, sometimes I hate watching her on screen because I despise her so much. But that's a good thing. And I think because they changed so much up, it gets a little corny sometimes. I don't like the Phoenix. ministry sequences of the. I don't. I don't like the, the ministry sequence was changed up quite a bit, yeah. especially with like the Order of the Phoenix coming in with like it's like like the white versus the dark, like the black smoke, the white smoke. But also the um, the room of prophecies. Yeah, it's all CGI. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. It's Hall too. Of, it's yeah, too CGI. All mysteries. All mysteries. Yeah. But yeah, I, but they did a great job. With the ministry main area, the, the, the this, aesthetically this movie's terrific. Yeah. Aesthetically, it's terrific. Yeah, it just gets the tones a little off sometimes, inconsistent. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that montage of Filch hammering down all the rules and stuff. It gets a it's little like three minutes. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, but it's still it's still a Harry Potter movie, so I love it. Yeah, it's still four and a half. <laughs> still four and a half. <laughs> Next up, what do you got? Next up, I watched Stargate, which is a movie that I've always been meaning to watch i just never watched it before it's a science fiction film from roland emmerich starring kurt russell and james spader um it's a, an inter interstellar like teleportation dimension teleporter device was found in egypt during an excavation and then spader and kurt russell are put on this team to turn it on and basically figure out what the fuck it does and it transports them to a different dimension 
that's like kind of like Egypt with pyramids and the whole civilization. It's really cool. It has it has a lot of great elements. But so Roland Emmerich is an excellent director when it comes to special effects and visual effects. Great miniature work, great large scale filmmaking, and very good cinematography. But the problem with Roland Emmerich movies is once people start talking, you are like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I agree. Like, I agree. And that was the problem with this film. The screenplays was the problem. Because the actors are great. The production's great. It's just the dialogue and the ultimately like the story of it all. And uh, it has some so many cool elements. But then once you figure out, once you learn who the villain is and what the plan is, it's just like, it was pretty, it was pretty disappointing. Although I, I gave it three and a half stars just because it had a lot of great elements. But I can see, like, I've always put it off because it has mixed reviews all around across the board. And I was never really totally sold on the trailer. And it lived up. It was exactly what I was expecting, honestly. Exactly what I was expecting. Yeah, I've always been curious about that movie. I've never, I've almost put it on a few times, but I never have. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But um, three and a half stars. Three and a half, all right. Then I watched... Because I watched the apartment Billy Wilder's film last week, I watched Some Like It Hut, his other film uh, from 1959. Gave it five stars. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I wrote one of the greatest comedies of all time with fantastic performances all around and a surprising amount of excellent violence, plus one hell of a shootout to open the film. So Some Like It Hut is about two band musicians who dress up as women to join a girls' band. And as a way of avoiding the mob who are um, a mob group who are after them to kill them for witnessing murder. And it's really funny. It stars Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis as the musicians who disguise themselves as women. And then Marilyn Monroe plays one of the members of the band uh, who they're both kind of pining over. It's really fucking funny. But honestly, the movie starts up with a five minute car chase and shootout that is incredible. Like I was like, holy shit, this is insane! Wow! Like car crash, like with move with cars from like the twenties, mm-hmm. car chases and crashing and and great like shootouts. And I was like, it was really incredible stunt work and incredible shootouts. And it built up like your all the it built up the stakes basically for the rest of the film to see how dangerous the world was. And then the after that, the movie is just laugh out loud funny, great physical humor, great setups, a wonderful screenplay. And an excellent cast. I loved it. It was so good. My next watch was a romance film called Unfaithful. Now, this stars Richard Gere and Diane Lane. It's about <laughs> adultery. And so I, I, I imagine so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where Diane Lane's character, the uh, the wife in this relationship, married to Richard Gere. Don't tell me he cheated on S- Diane Lane. No, no. She cheats okay. on him. Stumbles upon, like, this, meets this random guy uh, and... They have an affair, like a hot affair. Who's the then, guy? What actor? So, um, what's his name? Hold on. I've heard of this movie. I've seen it, like, posted. Oliver Martinez. You'd recognize him. He's in Taking Lives, SWAT. He's he's in a bunch of movies, actually. You'd recognize his face. And it's, it's, it's good, but it's also corny at times and campy at times. And, like, there's this wind scene where... It's like the windiest day ever, and this is how they meet. And like she's walking around the city, being blown away by like this intense wind, and it's just it's kind of funny what? to watch and weird. <laughs> but that's how she meets this guy who's this who's this book dealer, and she like stumbles in the wind, and he offers her bring her up to his apartment to like get her a band aid for her bleeding knee, and then they don't, and then obviously it leads to uh, more time spent together eventually in a in an affair, 
And then it's about Richard Gere getting suspicious and confronting the man and discovering everything. And I mean, it's not bad. It's I believe it's yeah. nominated for an Oscar for something. I can't remember, but it's solid watch. If like you got nothing to watch and you're with your significant other, it's it's a good time because it's one of those movies that when you're watching it, you can like talk while you're watching it. Is like because I, uh-huh. I watched it with somebody and like it was one of those movies where like we were talking and watching it at the same time because parts were good, but then some parts were like, what is going on right now? <laughs> but but it was fun in a way like that, you know? Yeah, I mean. I'll watch anything with Diane Lane, and it's it's fine. Yeah, the act, they're great. They're- but okay, I recognize this guy. You're right. I yeah. recognize his face. He's been in a ton of stuff. He he's in Taking Lives with Angelina Jolie and, yeah. and Ethan Hawke. He's the, I believe he plays the like the prime suspect that she's suspicious of. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. All right, what you got next? Next up for me, I have The Big Heat, which is a great film noir from 1953, directed by Fritz Lang. It's an awesome movie. It's about this um, this rough cop who goes on like this spree of trying to take down uh, like a, a crime group, um, because, but he's, he's becoming ruthless. Um, the law is getting like blurred and grayed for him um, because he's become so obsessed with seeking justice. It's actually it's pretty good. It's good violence, great story, great acting. I'd never seen the lead actor before in anything. Glenn Ford. Um, but he's really excellent. He's he's really good in it, and he carries the movie on his shoulders. I had never heard of it, uh, but I just discovered it. Like sometimes I just go on, like Criterion, and I'll just search the decade or director or whatever, and I'll I'll find like okay, this looks interesting. So I watched this, um, but it's really an excellent film noir. Very very cool movie. I highly recommend if anyone's looking into getting that into that kind of genre of film. Sounds cool. And then I watched Marty which was the Best Picture winner of 1955. I loved it. It's something I've been meaning. Do you remember, so in Quiz Show, mm-hmm. John Turturro's character. Yeah. And he, he, had to, he, he had to get the question wrong about what won Best Picture in 1955. Mm-hmm. He goes, I knew it was Marty. I've seen that. I saw that picture yeah. four <laughs> times. That, this is the movie he was talking about. Gotcha. Okay. I had never seen it before. Man, Quiz Show is so good. Quiz Show, Quiz Show is great. Uh, Ray Fiennes, John Turturro, directed by Robert Redford. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's really fantastic. That blew my hair back. Yeah, it's a good movie. And so I finally watched Marty. I was always curious about it. And then it was added on Max. No, Prime. Amazon Prime added it. Uh, that's how I discovered it, just on their on their banners of classic films. It, Marty was a new new release. I was like, finally, I'll, I'll fucking watch it. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's really great. So the actor, lead actor, his name was Ernest Borgenine. He won Best Actor for this film, and this film won Best Picture. It's really fantastic. It's about this this Italian butcher who's the eldest of a bunch of kids, but he's the only one who's not married. Um, he's he's overweight, and he's he calls himself ugly. He's no no woman gives him the time of day. He's tried to date, but like it's never worked out. And now he's just dealing with the loneliness of you know maybe no one's ever gonna love me, and everybody from his mom to his friends to his brothers are always like berating him about being single and not finding a woman. And he's like, I, he's trying. He's doing his best. And it's gotten to the point where he's given up. But then he encounters this woman um, who's also like him. Like she's, people call her a dog. You know, she's not the most beautiful woman in the world. And just like him, no guy will give her the time of day. And she goes on a double date with her friend. And the, the, the friend's guy friend actually ditches her on the date because he doesn't want to spend any more time with her so like henry hill exactly exactly <laughs> who um, do you think you are frankie valley 
<laughs> standing me up. But they connect and they bond over it and they have a wonderful evening together. Kind of, it's kind of like before sunrise where they spend the night talking and walking around the city. It's actually pretty similar. Uh, and then it takes convincing because nobody thinks he should be dating this girl. And it's ironic because everybody's saying, why are you single? Why don't you have a wife? And then when she, he finds a woman he likes, they're like, she's a dog. What are you doing with someone like that? Like, you don't want to date that girl, that that person. And then he has to fight against the his community and his in his bubble of being like, I like this woman and I'm going to I'm going to try to see this out. And it, it's a really, really great film about loneliness and romance. I loved it. Wow. I'll have to check it out sometime. All right. My final watch of the week was a David Fincher movie because we got the teaser for The Killer and I was craving some Fincher. <laughs> and I love Gone Girl so much. So I put that on and I watched it. I gave it four and a half stars. It's one of my favorite Fincher movies. And I think it's a top five for him in his career, even though he's only made 10 movies. But I love it. I love the tone. I love the the screenplay, the adaptation from the book. I think that Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck are absolutely perfect in their roles. and Ben especially is cast so well because of his real-life issues with the paparazzi this century, the last 25 years, and kind of creating him into Nick Dunn and like they're very relatable in, in a way like that. Obviously he's not on trial for, he's not suspected of murdering his wife, but like the bad relationship he's had with the press falsely portrayed in the press. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then having playing a character like that and it's awesome and it's so dark and I love the twist. The first time I saw this movie, I was blown away by the twist because I hadn't read the book and I didn't know what to expect. But then when, you know, we find out what's really going on, obviously I won't spoil it in case no one's ever seen it. When we find out what's really going on and what happened to Amy, holy crap, it's genius. It's such a brilliant story, incredible characters. The acting is terrific. I mean, we have gr a great role from Tyler Perry in this as well. And I just love it, and it's so well made. You know, MPH is great, too. Yeah, everyone's great in this movie. But, but Fincher is such a master at his craft, and you see it in every single frame, every setup, every lighting setup, every shots every edit it's done with so much purpose and detail he's so meticulous he's a surgeon when it comes to filmmaking and you can see it so well in this movie i'm a surgeon with the shotgun <laughs> not, not that, that i have to be, be from this distance <laughs> <laughs> i remember the casting announcements for that film and it's it the casting announcements for tyler perry and neil patrick harris has, have been cast in david fincher's next movie i was like what i know right <laughs> i was like what is going on but then i was like you gotta trust the guy yeah and he was right because they perfectly fit the both of those roles mm -hmm. But I was like, who are they going to play in a Fincher movie? True. But he was right. They both killed it. Yeah, they worked really well. All right, next up. I watched a John Ford movie starring John Wayne called The Quiet Man. But unlike most of their collaborations, this was not a Western. It's actually set in Ireland. It was really great. So I gave it four and a half stars. And I wrote, every frame of this film is utterly gorgeous. Oscar-winning cinematography with lush Technicolor in the hills of Ireland, set the stage for an oddly hilarious Irish romance. Hilarious Irish romance. John Wayne is great as a fish out of water, and Maureen O'Hara is wonderful opposite him. The middle of the film slows down a bit with some melodrama, but the final 15 minutes is brilliant fun that makes the movie well worth the watch. It's about a guy from Ohio who, after he retired from boxing, moved to the place of his birth when he was he was he moved to America when he was a baby so he went to his childhood home and bought it in Ireland and then it's about the community struggling to welcome him 
and then him trying to marry the woman he now loves and who loves him. But the Irish traditional culture was actually very strict where her older brother had to give his blessing for her to marry John Wayne. But the older brother hated him for being an American and for being like basically a threat to him. And so it's a struggle of them trying to, how do we make this work? How do we get married? But also lots of great humor about the Irish culture. And it ends in literally a 15 minute fist fight that traverses the entire town. It is so funny. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was really great. It was just like fun to see John Wayne do comedy, and it worked. It was it was really cool. That sounds great. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was and it was unbelievable cinematography, like really incredible. And then the final film I watched this week was Gran Turismo, which I gave four stars and I wrote one hell of a sports film. Even though it was a bit slow out of the gate, Gran Turismo finished incredibly strong with a surprisingly inspirational story and an unexpected emotional wallop. Adrenaline-pumping racing sequences are an absolute thrill, and the acting is phenomenal all around, including Jaiman Honsu, who absolutely destroyed me. I loved this movie. And just like The Equalizer, this is another example of it getting ridiculed by critics, but fans loving it. It has a 98% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.4 on IMDb. I love the movie. It was so much fun. It was... Here's the thing. Everybody complains if once they see a cliche, they complain about the whole movie. And it's, it's a sports film. There's going to be the same archetypes, same situations you've seen before. Yes, the, the, the first three minutes of this movie was a little cliche and a little repetitive with things we've done before. But honestly, from the midpoint on, the last hour, hour 20 minutes of this movie was outstanding. And I was like, during the racing sequences... My leg was shaking. I was just like so pumped up, <laughs> honestly. And then I'm not kidding. I teared up three times and I was literally crying at one point in the film, like, cry, like crying my eyes out. It was surprisingly emotional. And there's like, I thought it was just going to be a, like, it's based on a true story. I thought it was just going to be a, about a gamer who became a race car driver and that's it. But the story is actually a lot more, a lot deeper a lot more inspirational and a lot more emotional than you were ever prepared for. So I was shocked at how honestly moving the movie was. Yeah, it's only made $60 million globally on a budget of 100 So it might not become profitable. It's, it's, it's not going to be profitable. Lose money. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because of the marketing campaign. And obviously, I, I feel like it wasn't marketed super well. And the posters and everything the art it kind of looks like a video game to me if you know if you know what i mean yeah i get that there is definitely in the first half of the film in the first 30 minutes of the film there's a lot of fan service to the game but once they like leave the video game part of the story it just becomes a fucking really good racing movie. No, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. definitely gonna watch it this week. You gotta, dude. You gotta watch Equalizer three, and you gotta watch Gran Turismo. Yeah, I was busy those those I nights. That you fucking went. love them. I love them. If you like them, I like them, dude. Just like it's just it's in me. The it's kind in of you. <laughs> it's the kind of movies I grew up with, and it's like who cares if there's some cliches in it? You know, if you go out for a great meal, you know you're gonna get a glass of wine or something you know you're gonna get oh great this burger's tasty how cliche. how many times have i had a great burger <laughs> it's a it's a sports film it's gonna have the same sports it's gonna have the same beats as other sports films but you know what if it's made well i f i'll fucking eat the hell out of it he's such a great director too he, he knocked it out of the park really. he's such a good director people are still begging him to make district 10 they might do it they might do it but i mean i i honestly really enjoyed them 
I mean, people are complaining about having superhero fatigue, but then they won't see something that doesn't have superpowers in it. Yeah. So, I mean, if this is these are just really fun escapist movies, um, and I I had a blast. The Gran Turismo was really fantastic. I wonder if there's a Barbenheimer fatigue because everyone was so hyped about the movies for like a month that everyone's like, oh, I don't feel like going to the movies this week. Maybe, maybe. But I think that I think you're right. I think Gran Turismo could have had a better trailer. Trailer, better trailer and better posters. Yeah, I don't love the posters for this movie. Honestly, in the marketing campaign for this, I would have seen an opening weekend if it wasn't for the marketing. Yeah, I think the marketing kind of dropped the ball in this movie. But I was really curious about it from the seven point four on IMDb because sometimes the IMDb is like there'll be like a hundred ratings. It's like you can't believe, but it's twenty thousand ratings, seven point four. I'm like, that's a really good consensus of of movies, of of a movie audience. And then also the Rotten Tomatoes ninety eight audience score. I was like, okay. This has to be good, yeah. and it was. Because the trailer is fine, and I wouldn't be super intrigued by it if it wasn't for Neil Blomkamp directing it. You they're, know? They're honestly, I was shocked how much great stuff is in the movie that they didn't even show in the trailer. Yeah, the trailer, I think, was very... It, it was cool, but it was underwhelming. And it kind yeah. of it looked like... I agree. The, the editing of the trailers looked sort of like, is this a movie? What is this? I, I, it didn't look fictional yeah. sometimes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Even, and, though even though it's based on true events, it didn't f- seem like a fictional film. Dude, I'm telling you, an hour into the movie, I was like, this is way better than I was expecting. The trailers cut almost like a documentary. I didn't even know Jaiman Hunsu was in it. Me neither. I had no idea. Man. Also, Orlando Bloom is fantastic. He's become a very good actor. Like, the trailer should have been so much of Orlando. How do you not put Orlando all over the trailer? It was a lot of, it was, David Harbour was all over the trailer, understandably, but there. People love Orlando Bloom. But Orlando Bloom has a lot of screen time in the film. And he actually, I mean, he, I've always, I always said he was very wooden as an actor when he was younger, like, especially in the Pirates and stuff. But he, in this film, he's really good. He's excellent. I mean, he puts butts in seats, too. Yeah. He's got pull. But, man, Jaiman Hunsu came in with the fucking emotional hammer. It was like, oh, you thought this was just a run-of-the-mill sports movie? Man, it was so good. Can't wait to see him in Rebel Moon. Yeah, he's Hopefully he's Gladiator great. 2. We'll he's see. Um, all right, that wraps Letterbox Recap number 15, I believe this wow. is. Thank you so much. Let us know what you've been watching. We have the prompts up on Spotify so you can leave a comment and let us know what your recent viewings are for film. Also, I want to talk about The Bear real quick, too. The Bear, yeah. I, I'm really into it. It's excellent. I, work, I was a bartender for two years. You worked in the service industry, too, so it's highly relatable. I love how small in scope it is in terms of just, like, the back of the house. You're just in this tiny little restaurant, this, this beef sandwich place in Chicago. The acting is so good. It really uh-huh. is. And I, I I love how intimate it feels. It's close quarters. You so know? it's not fine dining. No, there's like some. I'm sure he trained because he used to be a yeah. fine dine chef, and then he takes over the sub shop. So yeah, the sub shop is was his father's, uh-huh. and so he takes it over, and he runs it like a fine dining kitchen. <laughs> no, he just tries to run it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but kind of implementing things from that kind of world. Uh-huh. But you, you'll understand. But it's okay. it's really excellent, and we'll talk about it more because I'll, I'll watch some more this week. I'm sure you'll get into it. You know what we should do is we should watch it, and then we should get beef sandwiches. Yeah, for, for sure the, for the podcast. Fucking lootly, yeah. and eat beef sandwiches while we talk about it. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you think people want to listen to us chew? ADA, uh, what's it? Yeah, ASMR. ASMR. So, oh, by the way, I, I'm not sure if you kept an eye on Barbie's box office numbers, but it's closing in on 1.5. Where's it at now? Let me just double check. I'm but people have been sending us a bunch of DMs about it, <laughs> saying James close. is gonna, James is gonna get you some ramen soon. <laughs> uh, one second, let me pull it up. It's closing. It's getting there, man. It is getting there. Clearly, 
I don't know. It's not in our drive any right now. Hold on. I'm looking for. Excuse our, me. Would really love to know the number. Doc. Would really like to. Oh, hear. I'm just, sure everyone listening is just. I'm waiting on bated, bated breath. breath. <laughs> Edge of their seats for Anthony to figure out how to find the box office of Barbie. Dun, 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 who, and he dun, always dun, gives dun, me crap for not being. No, able to, whoa, it's not in our drive like it usually is. Google it. It's 1.4 right now. 1.4 what? I need specifics. Billion. No, 1.4 what? 1.38 billion. So it's not even at 1.4. It's getting there. It's not getting there, bro. It's getting there. It's not. It's not gonna hit 1.5. It is on its way to six billion. It's not gonna make another 120. You don't think so? No. We'll see, man. Maybe another 50. Hold on, let me. I can Google projection. Box office projection. Well, who knows? We're just gonna end this. <laughs> Even I'm just sitting here googling. Even googling Barbie box office for three minutes. It's I'm gonna end the episode. Projected at sixty-four billion dollars. I'm gonna end the episode now. Thank you so much for tuning in to Letterbox <laughs> Recap. And the best way to help support our show and help us grow is to share us with your family and friends who love movies. Let them know there's this great podcast of these two really incredible, funny guys. <laughs> very talk, handsome. We talk about we talk about movies. Very charming. Very smart tell guys. Them, tell them about the show. Share it with them. <laughs> Also, leaving those five-star ratings on Apple and Spotify really helps us get seen and discovered by new people on the apps. And, of course, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.